Welcome to the Good News with Angie Austin. Now, with the Good News, here's Angie. Hello there, friend. Angie Austin with the Good News. Uh, you know, I really love this website, uh, Mark and Angel, and they offered this uh, like ebook, you know, information about 30 things to start doing for yourself. And apparently, that they'd done an article, 30 things to stop doing to yourself, and it was really well received. But several of the uh, readers suggested they follow up with a list of things to start doing, which I always like. I like the to do list rather, rather than the to don't list. Um, and number one really goes, uh, you know, well for uh, Christians. Uh, number one, start spending time with the right people. It's the whole birds of a feather flock together. Uh, these are people who you enjoy, who love and appreciate you, who are like-minded, encourage you to improve in healthy ways. And they're the ones who make you feel more alive and embrace who you are and also give you good biblical advice when you ask for it. Number two. Start facing your problems head on. It isn't your problems that define you, but how you react to them and recover from them. You know, you really do fail to success. And we really do need to teach our kids how to fail successfully and pick yourself up on and uh, and move on to the next task so you can achieve what you need to achieve in life. Too many people give up well before the end. I I love that. that visual that uh, shows the two miners and one is, you know, picking away at the dirt, trying to get to the gold and he gives up like two inches from it. And the other guy, you know, he's not giving up and he's, uh, you know, he's, he's about ready to break through. So, you know, you never know when you're giving up if you're about ready to break through. Do what you can when you can and acknowledge what you've done. It's all about taking baby steps in the right direction. Something my kids were doing the other day and they're like, oh, it's going to take forever. Oh, I know what it was. In the yard, all these pieces of grass had grown up through the bushes. So in the, the, uh, in the like pine type bushes, juniper bushes, there were all these really tall pieces of grass. And I told my daughter, either pull them or trim them with a pair of scissors. And she's like, oh, there's so many. It's going to take forever. Oh. And I said, well, it's like an elephant. How do you do it one bite at a time? So it's one grass blade at a time. And I showed her, you could grab like six or seven at a time and they pull right out by the roots. So you don't really have to trim them with scissors or whatever she was going to use. Just pull them out one at a time or six at a time. Uh, and anyway, as far as uh, start facing your problems head on, number two in the list uh, about those baby steps in the right direction, inch by inch, the inches count, they add up to yards and miles in the long run. I think about when I was living in low income housing and my brothers were using drugs and my dad uh, hadn't talked to us in years. He changed his phone number. He was a drinker. He remarried, pretty much abandoned us. And my mom was working in a factory. So I was at the low income housing apartment a lot by myself with two drug addicts. My other brother was at West Point at the time doing quite well, uh, West Point Military Academy. But anyway, I remember every, like I would, um, each little baby step, it was going to, you know, work every day. I worked in the hospital in Boulder seven days a week and I'd earn a little bit of money to save for college or to pay for my gas or to pay for my car, pay for my insurance, uh, pay for my books in high school, uh, pay to get my braces taken off. Um, I, 
then also like each A, each day of studying, each test, you know, I'd stay up all night sometimes to study because I would get a little bit behind. And it was important to me to get straight A's or almost straight A's. I think I had like a three nine something. I don't remember. Anyway, it, it was a big deal to me because I wanted to educate myself out of poverty. So anyway, each day was an in, um, one more inch, one more inch, one more inch. All right. Number three. Start being honest with yourself about everything. And we're doing, again, 30 day, thirty things to start doing for yourself. Number three, start being honest with yourself about everything. Be honest about what's right as well as what needs to be changed. Be honest about what you want to achieve and who you want to become. Uh, be honest with every aspect of your life always. And I have to say, when you're honest, it's so much easier. You don't have to remember uh, you know, what you said or what you did or how you twisted things or fit. If you're honest, you, you you don't have to be careful about what you say because if you're telling the truth, you can always recount the truth when you go back to remember what you said. It's just the truth. It's super, super simple. <laughs> I do I do like that. I mean, come on, it's super simple. Just be honest and it makes life so much easier. Uh, start, oh, I like this one. Uh, number four, start making your own happiness a priority. I call it claiming the joy, like Jesus gives us this inheritance and we can claim joy. It doesn't mean that we're not going to have the trials and tribulations, the ups and downs, the hills and the valleys, but you can claim your joy in the midst of some of these things, you know? Um, Again, so number four, start making your own happiness priority. Your needs matter. If you don't value yourself, look out for yourself and stick up for yourself. You're sabotaging yourself. You're sabotaging yourself. Remember, it is possible to take care of your own needs while simultaneously caring for those around you. That's true. I, I think it is. It's hard sometimes, you know, like if I need a nap and all the kids are here and they have friends here, our room is on the main floor. So it's like 15 feet from the front door and they come in and they're loud and they're saying stuff and they're stomping up and down the stairs and the stairs are really close to our room and the kitchen is really close to our room and the fountain is really, yes, we have a fountain. The fountain is really close to our room. So there's a lot of noises and the cat scratch on the door if I close it, but I will put in my headphones, I'll text all the kids and say, I'm going to take a nap. I take a nap every day. I don't know. I just, it's weird, you know, because I did TV news for so long and I woke up at two, between 2.45 and 3.30. And as the times got earlier and earlier, by the time I, I ended my career, I woke up at 2.45. And, you know, my friend Beatrice Bruno is on the East Coast and she gets up at 5 a.m. So at 3 a.m. my time. So that's the only person I know that's up because every morning without fail, I still wake up about 2.45 or 3. And so it's like a good hour or two because that's when I like really got my day going. I had to, you know, jump out of bed, you know, do my hair and makeup and be on, you know, doing either the weather or anchoring and, you know, bright eyed and bushy tailed. And so my body still wakes up at that time with no alarm clock. It is the craziest thing. So when I take my nap, because that's my need to, you know, to make a priority, or if I'm going to take like a long hot bath, I lock the door to the bathroom, you know, because they're always opening the door or knocking or banging or whatever. Uh, so they can't come in and be like, mom, 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 mom. Uh, so, uh, and then sometimes I'll try to lock my bedroom door, but yesterday, what if I'm just broke right through and put my head, my headphones in for one hour and usually, so I'll sleep like maybe 40 minutes and I put those earphones in because I tend to lose a fair amount of sleep in that 
one or two hours that I wake up in the middle of the night and I always go back to sleep. Look, I'm yawning right now. I always go back to sleep, but that takes a good hour of my sleep away. So anyway, I'm just making excuses for why I nap. I probably shouldn't, but I do. All right. So that's how I look out for my own needs. Number five, start being yourself genuinely and proudly. You know, when I was on TV, I never wanted to be like, pretend I was someone else and be so dignified and I'm on TV and aren't I special and I'm very proper. And I was just kind of myself. And I figured if people didn't like me, then it was like genuine, you know, that I just wasn't their cup of tea. But I found that being myself was just so much easier. And I had so many friends on TV who really put on a, like a perfection front. And I don't know, it just didn't seem real to me. It wasn't like them. And it was kind of irritating because you had to tippy-toe around the two different personalities, the real personality that you knew off air, and then the false, you know, personality and, you know, don't bring up this and don't bring up that and don't bring up the ticket. Like we had once somebody got a ticket, you know, and it was obviously them or whatever in their car. And so we were, a couple of us were joking about it like, oh yeah, that's not her BMW and those aren't her Gucci sunglasses. And oh, she was livid at us. Like, you know, don't bring that up and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, hey, who hasn't gotten a ticket? You know I mean? And it takes your picture. It's kind of funny. Like I always know when it's my husband because he has super big ears. And so like, hello, it's my husband. He has super big ears. All right. Um, <laughs> sorry. Maybe we shouldn't have brought it up, but it was fun. I mean, come on. That's, you know, when they're like, I don't think it was me. You're like, oh, please. <laughs> your Beamer and your Gucci sunglasses. All right. Uh, trying to be someone else is a waste of time. So just be yourself genuinely and proudly. Uh, embrace the individual inside of you that has ideas, strengths, and beauty like no one else. I think when my Christianity really was solidified, when I was really trying to walk the talk, I was completely comfortable with who I was and not putting on any fronts and pretending to have, you know, more wealth. Like when I lived in low-income housing, I was embarrassed. I didn't want people dropping me off there. And so I kind of put on the persona that I wasn't the poor kid living in low-income housing because I was so embarrassed. Um, um, I guess I don't have that embarrassment anymore because I've reached a level of success where I don't have to worry about that. But I did start being true to myself and not being embarrassed of where I came from when my faith uh, was really, you know, became really strong because it wasn't my identity. I was complete through Christ, not through Gucci sunglasses or a Mercedes or um, a Rolex or whatever used to be big, you know, on watches when I was younger. All right. Number six, start noticing and living in the present. I love this because right now really is a miracle. Right now is the only moment guaranteed to you. And that's really living if you can really be in the moment. So stop thinking about how great things will be in the future, how great they were in the past or how horrible they were in the past. Stop dwelling on what did or didn't happen. I always tell my kids, don't do the woulda, shoulda, coulda. Oh, I wish I would have done this. I should have done that. I could have done this. It's like such a waste of time. Just learn to be here in the moment, in the here and now, and experience life as it's happening. Sometimes I get bored like making dinner or like I'm trying to rush it. So I just try to be really present or you can listen to some nice music. Sometimes I'll listen to a show which maybe isn't being present, but you know, enjoying that moment um, a little more than just chopping. I might put on something that is inspirational to listen to. Um, and even with gardening, um, you know, sometimes I'll do that as well. Oh, and I do a new thing now. You know, I used to walk five miles a day. Now I'm doing the lazy river at my rec center. 
And um, I don't know why, like, because when I walk, I listen to music or a show or a podcast. But when I'm in the lazy river, it's so relaxing. I don't listen to a thing. And I'm in there like an hour to hour and 15 minutes. And I have like leg weights and I have hand paddles that give me resistance. And it's just so peaceful, the floating feeling and the moving through the water that I don't know. I mean, I guess that goes back to making my own happiness a priority and, um, you know, just taking my, care of myself. But I don't know. I don't need anything to listen to like I do when I make dinner. I don't know. I wish I loved cooking more, but I try to rush everything. You know, I like to be really efficient with my time. So I've got to learn how to enjoy it more. Maybe the music. I know some people drink wine when they do it, but eh, I tried red wine for a while. Just not my thing. All right. Start number seven. Start valuing the lessons your mistakes teach you. Mistakes are okay. They really are the stepping stones of progress. You fail to success. If you're not failing from time to time, you're not trying hard enough and you're not learning. Really, failing is a step in learning. Taking risks, stumbling, falling, and then getting up and trying again. Appreciate that you're pushing yourself, learning, growing, and improving. Significant achievements are almost invariably realized at the end of a long road of failures. One of the mistakes you fear might be the link to your greatest achievement yet. I love that. All right, so I'll continue these because I obviously can't do 30 things to start doing for yourself. If you want them all, they're at markandangel.com, markandangel.com, and they send you this little ebook, 30 things to start doing for yourself. We've only gotten through um, number, is it seven? Yes. Wow. I'll give you a teaser. Number eight is start being more polite to yourself. Hello, Angie. How are you, Angie? Oh, I'm good, Angie. Thank you for asking, Angie. Oh, you look great today, Angie. Thank you. I don't think that's quite what it means, but anyway. (laughs) AngieAustin.org. That's my website. Thanks so much for listening to the good news. I sure do appreciate you. And thank you to my producer, Luke, and also to Matt, who runs uh, uh, KLTT, and uh, to Mike, my uh, boss there. These guys are so great to me. Thank you. Evergreen is tuned to the mighty 670 KLT Denver. When you shop at your local ARC, your hard-earned money directly supports individuals with disabilities. 80% of people with intellectual and developmental disabilities are unemployed. At ARC thrift stores, approximately 20% of their employees are individuals with intellectual or developmental disabilities. ARC Thrift is one of Colorado's most prominent employers for people with disabilities. They provide extra support for their employees, allowing them to decide how they live, learn, and work through the ARC Ambassadors program. The program provides a community for employees with disabilities where they create lasting friendships. ARC Thrift Ambassadors attend social events throughout the year. ARC is a company that lives and breathes its mission of going above and beyond to create a space of inclusivity, morale, and culture. Shop at an ARC Thrift store near you. Find your nearest location at arcthrift.com. That's arcthrift.com. Angie Austin here with the good news, along with Beatrice Bruno, Drill Sergeant of Life, and Michelle Ron, oh, cheerleader of life. Hi, ladies. 
Good morning. Good morning. Thank you. All right. So uh, I want to talk to both of you about something you've both done successfully. I know your families and uh, Michelle was a teacher and uh, and her daughters are teachers. She has wonderful grandchildren. Beatrice, you have four kids, uh, your two girls and then your two uh, stepsons that became your sons. So mm-hmm. four there. Um, my kids are all in you know, they're teens now, two in high school, one in middle school. And uh, it's a rocky road. You know, I kind of envision my kids as like the athletes and scholars and, you know, didn't see any bumps in the road. My son's doing really well, but he definitely had a, I don't know, a, a traumatic year, I would say, last year. And, uh, uh, you know, academics, it, they're not straight A students like I was. And I'm kind of like, what? Like, how did that happen? Like, you're supposed to be just like me and totally be into school and be studying. And <clears throat> they have so many distractions now. Like, how do I set up the year properly? Did you have, I'll start with you, Michelle. Did you have okay. study times? <laughs> did you have like a setup? Like, I just kind of make them be responsible for themselves. And if they have homework, they're supposed to do it. But I have no set time because they're you know going to be junior sophomore, um, eighth grader, like I feel like it's their responsibility, but I've never had a set time. So I've never made them be like organized because I kind of did it on my own and assumed they would. Uh, But they're in sports as well, which I really wasn't in uh, sports much. So that takes up a lot of their time now, as you can imagine. Do you have any advice uh, to help them through these teen years? Well, you know, the schedule that you're you're describing about your kids, I think it would be very difficult to have a set time for them to to have a sit-down study time. And I also truly believe it's up to the kid, just like what you were saying, Angie, that you, you never had a problem uh, in the respect that you cared about. You did care about getting your work done. But there are those kids who honestly maybe want to do that, but they have no clue how to do it. So therefore, they might need some more uh, direction. I'm not a helicopter fan at all in the respect of making sure that the kid is sitting there for 42 minutes, <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, just uh, following through because I think that just invites rebellion. So I, I think there has to be some definite understanding of your own child to mm-hmm. to know the best route for for the study time. And maybe that study time, maybe the kid is is a midnight person and literally does die. All right, Beatrice, how, how about you? I lost Michelle a little bit there. Um, how about you? How did you um, handle all this? Well, one of my sons was in football. He was a, a footballer, and I mean, he was heavily into football. He had to understand that in order for him to be able to continue to play football, his grades would have to be at a certain place. Therefore, he had to take responsibility for making sure that he was getting the work done because it was none of this, well, I, I'm on the, the first team and, and, and I have to be there. No. No, you're on the first team of Bruno, first of all, and you got to get that schoolwork done so that you can graduate. And that's all there is to it. And so we put the responsibility on them. Uh Uh Uh-huh. Our youngest son, um, he didn't start thriving in school until he was in the 11th grade, to be honest with you, because he just did not want to take. And the thing about it is he was smart. I mean, highly intelligent and still is, but he just did not want to do his schoolwork. And so it had to finally come across to him that if he did not get his schoolwork done, he was not going to graduate from high school and he was going to be a bum. 
And that's what that's the way I put it to him. I said, okay, well, let's look at some bums that's out there on the street. They live on the street, son. So what are you going to do? And in the 11th grade, it finally hit him that, wait a minute, this is my responsibility. I've got to get this stuff done. Yeah. Okay, so you kind of left it up to him as well. He had to make the decision as to where he wanted to go with his life. And um, I have been pretty much doing that. Um, The kids kids are doing okay in school. One does pretty well. She's in advanced classes, but could do better in her advanced classes. That's for sure. Um, And then the other two struggle, I'd say, a little bit more. Um, And then, you know, of course, the sports. But same thing. They can't do the sports if they don't do well in school. And I've kind of kicked myself a little because you know the sports that's not they're not going to be like professional athletes or anything they're just um uh you know maybe one of them or two you know they they might be able to go to school with some help with scholarships um uh you know a couple maybe excel more than another but you know i mean there's time for them all to improve i there was this really cool shirt the other day by the way speaking of um natural talent that one of the one of hope's coaches had and she actually did just get the uh, trophy for highest point total on her entire swim team her summer swim team probably a couple hundred kids she had the highest point total wow. and you guys she went to three swim practices and i'm not bragging that she went to three but she's really into volleyball she's not into swimming as much but she has natural talent for swimming and she won that trophy with not really going to practice so here's what i i saw on the back of her volleyball coach's shirt it says hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard <laughs> Hmm. Wow. Hmm. I like that. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I like that. In the long run, that is so true. I think of Kobe Bryant and how hard he worked. And I know he was on uh, the Lakers team with Shaq. And I, I was in LA at the time. And some of my friends in the news business were friends with them. And that Kobe would kind of get irritated. You know, Shaq didn't work that hard. And Kobe did work so hard. So he took uh, the talent that he did ha- have and made it so incredible because he put in so much time, you know, on the court. Okay. So what else? Um, none of them have started dating yet and again they were junior i mean riley just turned 17 uh hope's turning 15 face 13 so the the younger ones i wouldn't expect to be dating but you know riley at 17 he has his driver's license now and none of them have dated so that's coming along too so how did you guys handle that were that what what age like did someone go with them did they have to be in a group michelle i'll start with you you had girls um, oh, let's see. Other than my comment of you can have a date when you're 36, <laughs> that might be it. But, but, but other than that, um, it, it, we, our girls honestly were really picky. And I will, I will share a fun story. Sarah does not remember this, but I sure do. But it was she, and I do not remember how old she was. But we always did say that whoever comes to get you has to come up to the door. Right. And um, this one particular time, the kid did come to the door, but he was, he looked so opposite of what I would have ever picked for my daughter to be going out with, with the black leather and the, and again, this is a hundred years ago. Um, so kind of a, a, hair. like a rough looking character with the leather very, jacket. Very and rough, the... very rough. And so out the door they went and in the car and I turned to Bob and I just said, do I follow her right now? Or what do I do? You know, I just, as, they, as they hopped on the back of his Harley. Yeah, a motorcycle, right, exactly. Um, you have to trust. And um, again, nothing is done without prayer. 
nothing. And so, you know, you pray that you have done the best to instill. Um, If it is a certain, if you truly believe it's a dangerous situation, of course you say something. But Mm -hmm. it was pretty much up to the girls. And I will say they took care of each other, too. One time, one of them got into some uh, hot water uh, with a party type of thing, and I was ranting and raving, and my other daughter said, but mom, don't you realize that she was the driver? She was the one who, she she didn't do the drinking. She was the (laughs) one who was going to be bringing them home, you know, and I hadn't stopped to think about that. So Mm -hmm. you you got to talk about it. Of course you do. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But I also have to pray and trust. Well, you know, with like Riley just getting his license, this is the first time he's had freedom. And he doesn't have a ton of sure. friends, but he has, you know, one friend. And he's the nicest kid. He's so shy and just delightful. And uh, Riley will be uh-huh. uh, starting his junior year with this. You guys, I'm sure you two know about the new campus they have in our school district where not only do they teach you regular classes, you can go to this um, other campus and they um, he's taking business classes for college credit. You can become mm-hmm. an airline mechanic. You can uh, take classes in the hotel industry, you know, cooking, uh, mechanics, uh, uh, you know, a lot wow. of healthcare oriented classes. And so um, he'll fabulous. be, yeah, and it's set up kind of like a college campus and they do have like a matching shirt, you know, part of the uniform. Uh, so that'll be really uh-huh. good for him. And again, he hasn't had many friends, but maybe in that setting, uh, he'll be with kids who are maybe, you know, in the business classes, kids with more goals that are, uh, you know, oriented towards his since he does have a successful business right now and has for the last four years his shoe business yeah so you know we'll see that hopefully but anyway he hasn't done much with his license because he just has like a couple of friends Beatrice how about you you two boys two girls how did you handle the dating in high school they can have friends but no boyfriends and girlfriends and I was adamant about that because it was just too much going on with sports and and academics and all that stuff. And I, I just really stuck to my gun. Um, as a matter of fact, the oldest boy, William, he started dating when he went to college. And that was truly all on him. And he found out the perils of dating, you know, especially crazy girls, I'm just saying. And so, um, but the, the girls, they were, well, their boyfriends, whenever they came to the house, remember, I was a former drill sergeant. And so they, they they had to toe the line and it was all about, okay, I'm going to take her to the prom and then that's going to be it. Okay, fine. Thank you so much. Have a good day. Bye. You know, so, yeah. And so did they, did they get to go to the prom? Yes, they went to the prom. Okay. But so not, yeah. not, but that, but not a relationship per se. No, Mm-mm. no. Okay, well, we haven't really set any rules down. Well, I told my daughter, the one that's turning 15, that she had to wait till she's 16. And I heard her talking in the back of the car. You know, you hear, you hear a lot when you're doing carpool. And mm-hmm. uh, and one time she did go to a movie and uh, two boys met the two girls there, but she didn't mention to us they were. And of course, you know, we found out because my, my kids, I have them spying on each other on social media. So <laughs> they cannot block any of their siblings from any of their social media. So they have to, their siblings, I said, look, you don't comment on your siblings posts and harass them and you don't mess with any of their friends but you cannot block your siblings because that you are watching each other and you are to report back to me if you see anything and they all know that they do they tell me right away if they see something that they think they shouldn't post or sometimes there'll be a song and they don't even understand the lyrics and they'll be like lip syncing to it and they're like well, what's wrong with the song and you're like oh my goodness really you don't know what that means and you're thinking oh gosh okay so um yeah that might have like 
like a sexual innuendo and they have no idea what they're, you know, singing along with their friends. Um, But um, I told her 16 for her um, that she could. and, And I heard her in the back of the car say, well, I'm not. I was joking about the boy that she met at the movie because she was going to the movies. And I said, any boys meeting you guys there behind my back? And she goes to her friend, because I don't really, I don't know. I'm just not good with boys. I'm weird with boys. I'm awkward. So she's not that interested right now. And I'm not too concerned. Yeah, I'm just going to, the fact that none of them have been interested in dating is at this point fine with me. I want to make sure, um, Beatrice, you've got a speaking event coming up in Blackhawk. Tell people um, when that is and how they can reach you. I will be speaking on the 27th of August. If you go to my website, which some of you have, and thank y'all so much, really appreciate y'all. Um, it will be on the 27th of August, and I'm gathering information, but I'm redoing my website right now, so just stay tuned. I'll have it up before the end of the month. And the website is? Um, DrillSergeantOfLife.com. DrillSergeantOfLife.com. And Michelle, you speak um, you know, around Colorado, and you have a very fair price. I, I really admire that you're open to all budgets. <laughs> no, I do. I mean, I, I just, you know, you, you'll you go speak, Thank and you. even if it's for gas money, which gas money is expensive right now. So uh, what's your website? MichelleAron.com. Michelle, Thank I, you. I love you both so much and can't tell you how much I enjoy you on the program. And you listening, I hope you do as well, because these are two incredible women. Thanks, ladies. Love you. Love you. Love you. Thank you for listening to The Good News with Angie Austin on AM 670 KLTT.